Oh, yeah. Is it? Yes. Hello, and welcome to the second season of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. I'm Evan Camacho. And we have on for our debut of uh, the next season a wonderful guest. How would you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Stephen Atwell. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming on again, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was my pleasure. It, so, uh, it makes a good, uh, good break from grading. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so, although you are going to be grading, just in a different type of way. <laughs> exactly. So, this season we're going to split it. We're going to do claimants. Um, we are not going to do, um, let me be clear just from the get-go, we are not going to do everyone who's, who tried to, to become king. Because, um, quite frankly, two reasons. One, there's a lot of people. And two, we don't have really have enough on most of those people who claim to claim to be to sit on the Iron Throne or claim they were king to really make a full episode out of them. I mean, uh, we have Stephen on here, but I don't know. Like Stephen, could you could you tell us a lot about Hagon or Damon the Third? Like we only uh, about like a sentence from about yeah. that. And it, it depends uh, person by person. I mean, I've I I wrote a whole essay series about the Blackfire rebellions in general um and you know especially for some of the later uh figures it becomes a little bit more difficult in part because the real sort of protagonists and antagonists are bitter steel and blood raven like yep those are the Absolutely. characters with motivations backstories uh you know real kind of points of view and they are generally acting through people who are lesser known uh, not that they don't have interesting things about them, but we just don't have as much information. Absolutely. I mean, like the other one that we're going to, um, I mean, obviously, and we're going to touch upon it when we in this episode, but if we do, if and uh, I'll, I'll be optimistic and say when, it's going to happen. But when we get Fire and Blood Volume 2, I think then we're going to get more about these individual black fires beyond the first and the second one. Mm-hmm. But... Until that day, like, we only get so much about them. So um, just to give you a, a scheduled lineup for now, um, tentatively, we're going to cover Damon the First in this episode. Then we're going to do Damon the Second. And then we're going to do three of the five kings. We already did a Joffrey episode. We're not going to do yeah. Stannis because Stannis never... His story is not complete as of yet in the books. Mm-hmm. In the books. We're, we're not going to follow the show Stannis unless you ask us to. I'm not sure, depending on the people that listen to this podcast, whether or not that would be okay. Right. And uh, then we are going to do... So we're going to follow with... Uh, we're going to do an episode on Renly, Rob, and Balon. And Evan is itching to do Balon for lots of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just get it all out of his system. And then what we're going to... What can you say? He's very easy to... Uh... He's very easy to bash and make fun of. Yes, very much. Yep. And then uh, then we're going to eventually cover uh, the hands of the kings, because we really want to do a Tywin Lannister episode, and we also want to do a Blood Raven episode. And uh, Evan kind of encouraged me, we're, we'll do a, a Ned episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our schedule as of yet. We also, um, I think, we are going to talk a little bit about, about one show version of a character, I decided that just from my idea of that, I'd like to do an episode on the show's Tommen, just to mm-hmm. talk about poor Tommen, and also get in a little talk about history and how he's similar to a English history king that was 
also a puppet and kind of sad. I know. He's just a kid. He's just a poor little kid. It's worse in the books because he's literally a kid. And he's so innocent. And if Cersei's prophecy is anything to go by, it's not going to go well for that kid. Never does. Yeah. Um, before we dive in, though, uh, for the new season, just like a, a fun, like we, we do know what happens in the pop culture world. We don't really talk about the HBO show, but HBO announced like in a twofold that they that one of the spinoffs that we've been hearing all about and what we talked about a couple times on this podcast like was shelved and canceled flat right. out. Um, the one that was not called Bl- Bl- was not called uh, The Long Night, according mm-hmm. to George R. Martin, even though it was about The Long Night and was supposedly called Blood Moon. It was going to be starring Naomi Watts and was showrun by Jane Goldman. That one was canceled, even though they shot a I pilot. Saw, I, I, I actually spoke with someone yesterday who not only they didn't work on the pilot, but they knew people who worked on the pilot. Oh, really? Um, Ooh, yeah. inside story. Okay. Inside story. Apparently, they, they, they shot the pilot, and it was so terrible that they said, forget it. The pilot okay. was, just, was just such a disaster. They're like, don't even bother. We're done. Interesting. I know. That's a bit, that, that's a bit interesting, though, to me, to me, because it's like, wow, it, 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 it must have been bad if HBO really wants to get rid of it. Well, I mean, if you go... Um... And a shameless plug, uh, although it's not so shameless because I'm not involved in this, but although we'd love uh, to have her on, but uh, Kim Renfro wrote the unofficial guide to Game of Thrones. Ooh. And like the whole chapter, it's it's very well known that like the the pilot, the original pilot yeah. for Game of Thrones. Right, the original pilot was very different. It, yeah, it's it, the reason they did the, you know, they had to basically reshoot half of it. Like more than half, if, if my understanding, like from reading the book, like... For one, there was like a ha- major cast members were were recast. Oh yeah, I oh, mean you know and famously, um, you know um, what was uh, Tamsin? Yeah, Tamsin Merchant was originally yeah. Daenerys, and and oh, like yes, that was and like George, poor George R. R. Martin. That was when he was going to cameo in the in the show was ah. in the pilot <laughs> at, at Carl Drogo and. And uh, Daenerys's wedding, <laughs> but like they reshot it, so like he isn't in the in the show as a result. That's amusing. And so yeah, like um, it's weird. Like theoretically, it's just like that. That is kind of a repeat of what happened with Game of Thrones, but this time around, HBO said pass. Mm. It's like we're done. Yeah, I, I, th- there's rumors, and there's always going to be rumors, and I think the fandom now is just going to be always like because this is a big enough fandom. This might be there with like the Star Wars holiday special of like, well, can we see it? Like, no. it's like you, you no, don't want to see happen. it. Like, you don't want to see it. It's like, but, but. We want to know how bad it was. It's like, yeah. no, you don't. No, you don't. It really was that bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, it's in the vault for a reason. It's, it's like, no, I mean, no, you don't want to well, see it, but. Ironically, the most famous thing, not only one of the very famous things of the Star Wars Holiday Special, and we'll, we'll, we'll bounce back in a little bit, was it was the first appearance of Boba Fett. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, very le- infamously. Yeah. Uh, the, it said, when it's a disaster, it's a disaster. And it's like, okay, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll back off. Yeah. 
Um, the other thing that, but the other weird thing is like, and it's just perfect, like story control on HBO's part was at the same time that they passed on, on what was theoretically Blood Moon, they then went all the in way in for the the new show House of the Dragon, right? Which I'm super excited for. It's the show that I've been saying on this podcast many times that like I think this is the one that they should go for like the dance of the dragons makes perfect sense to me mm. I mean like George R. R. Martin didn't say it but like in his like very like obvious not so subtle hints mm. it's like well just read the rogue prince and and the princess and the queen and then you'll get an idea of what the show is going to be based on like oh okay so it's okay. going to be dance of the dragons awesome mm. nice yeah so I'm excited. Steven? Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of a mixed opinion because, to be honest, I'm not really a huge fan of the Dance of the Dragons, especially compared yeah. to the Blackfire Rebellions. I think <laughs> one of them is a, a civil war that has uh, politics and interesting characters on both sides, and the other one is yeah. uh, a conflict about which group of assholes gets to be on the throne. <laughs> Fair it enough. Fair like, enough. the shepherd is right. Like, just, you know, destroy all the dragons. Both sides are terrible. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. And well, and I just, I, I find Daemon Targaryen kind of insufferable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, we had Chloe from Girls Gone Canon on, and she really does hate Daemon. And I yeah. think with good reason, with good reason, Daemon is pretty, like, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Like, how... In some ways, like, Dana the Defiant naming her kid Damon was like, why? Well, wait, 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 hold on. Sorry, Damon Targaryen, not Damon Black. Like, I, I know, I know. Be careful like, about this. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. But, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's like why would you name your kid... Why? <laughs> it's like, that's a... It's an interesting choice. It's like, like it's just like the, the later story where, um, where Ar- Arion Bright Flame is like, Ooh, I'm gonna name my kid Magor. Like yeah. what? It's like, like what? Like straight up Magor? Like no, no, not Maycar, not Maylor. You know, like some kind of riff on that. But like no, straight up Magor, Magor. Well, yeah. I think in, in Dana's case, uh, Damon was probably an homage to to Darren, uh, just mm. changing one letter. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it. Um, just starting now. Uh, although I will say, like. I'm rooting now for HBO to, and and they've kind of talked about it before, but like it's like HBO, you got the gold mine, you've got so many wells of history to go off of, like go for the Blackfire Rebellions, go for Duncan Egg, go for it, go for it. Yeah, this may be, um, you know, I I was thinking about this just because when the like this is a couple years ago now, some of the like earliest stories about the what the prequel series might be. Yeah. Uh, we're coming around, and a lot did seem to have to do with, like, what did Martin want to license? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, you see that you see that all the time. Yeah, well, but, like, especially in the case of, of the, like, Blackfire stuff. Um, or, or, like, I mean, one of the questions that a lot of people had is just, like, why not do Duncan Egg? It's a lower budget, like... Yeah. Almost like you know, a buddy film. Almost like yeah, a buddy, buddy you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, you know... Uh, you know, you you get two really good actors to do the central cast, and then everything else is sort of lower stakes, lower budget, but more character based 
yada, yeah. yada, yada. Um, mm. And uh, at the time, part of the, the explanation was basically, you know, Martin's only done three Duncan Egg stories. Yeah. He's got a lot more that are like, I mean, he's got at least two that are in some stages of, yeah. of being done. But he basically wants to like I do, I I think in in some ways like he felt he got burned by the regular show yeah in terms of them getting to do stuff before he got to do it yeah um so he want I I think the idea was that he didn't want to uh, have the the you know spinoffs cover stuff that he really wanted to cover I agree like kind of uh, I think jumping off and like. This is all pure speculation on our, our part, 100% to be clear. But I think that was one of the reasons why he didn't sign off Duncan Egg immediately when like Game of Thrones became a hit was because he, he, he kind of could already tell, like, you're going to make this into a movie, like an HBO movie, and it's going to pass me immediately. Mm. Like, and so, like, whereas I think at that, because that was at the point where he thought he, he would beat the show and finish the series. Right. So, like, it's, like, no way I'm, like, I'm, like, pretty close in to, to Winds of Winter. It's not going to take me as long as it has taken him. Like, so, like, there's no way, like, the, like, I can beat the show, but there's no way I can beat Duncan Egg if you make Duncan Egg. So, okay. yeah. That's a shame. But, I mean, yeah, it okay. makes sense also. That's also, I think... If, if fans are really close and eagle-eared, that's why there's only a certain amount of references they make to Duncan Egg in the TV show, because they don't completely have the rights and everything. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. So, but getting to the main event, uh, that's fun. I mean, we'll talk about more about House of the Dragon as we hear more. Mm -hmm. uh, although, honestly, like I, I don't think that's coming out for two years. At least. Yeah, at least. So, but we're going to get 10 episodes. Yay. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're starting a new season, and we're, because they're claimants, we, we got new categories. And uh, just to give you a run-through of what those categories are and um, t what we're going to discuss, the first category is legitimacy. And mm -hmm. that category discusses what's the legality of your claim to the throne. And we're going to discuss are, some are, people. Are you, a vi are you a genuinely viable heir to the Iron Throne? Yeah. Are, is your claim... And sometimes, and we'll get to when we get to the Renly episode, if you're just, sometimes if you're just so brazenly open about it, we might give you points for like saying, like, I have no legality, but who cares about legality? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how we re render that with like some of the... Some of the other ones are going to be more and more of a debate. Um, just to give you an example, though, I'd say, like, for for what would get a 10, I don't think anyone's going to get a 10 in this category. Just maybe. We'll see. But um, the closest to a 10 would be probably Aegon the Uncrowned, who was um, who was Aenys' eldest son right. and heir. So, like, that's like a 10, where it's like, yeah, he is the legitimate heir. Magor is the usurper, which a lot of people mm -hmm. keep on forgetting. Mm. Is that Magor was a usurper? That's one of his other many, well, many, e many, even many... Uh, even according to you know Jaharis. Yeah, because he very carefully did not like say you know okay you know the decrees of Magor are unlawful and you know we're starting the succession from here because 
that raises all kinds of issues about, you know, why exactly is Jaharis the, the king now? Yeah. Right. Gotta, gotta love, gotta love uh, the politics of doing something illegal for legal purposes. Making something Ill illegal legal. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get into all that as we talk about claimants, because legality is really fluid. Well, so, yeah, uh, like, kind of like, kind of like what Sidious says, 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 my lord, is that legal? I will oh. make it legal. Yeah. Like, nah. <laughs> but seriously, that is kind of the law of the land is like, not legal. I'll make it. I'll make it legal. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Um, the next category, potential. So that we're going to discuss just how much do we think, based on what we have, you are up to the job. How much are you really worthy of being king from what we get? Or are you kind of, nah, I don't think you were really up to this mm -hmm. task. Right. And this is pure speculative, but that's why it's fun. And this is also just a a fun ranking show, so we just mm -hmm. have to go on speculation because you're claimants. And this one, and uh, Stephen, if you got a better idea for what we should call this, please sure. share. But for now, we're calling this How Close Did You Get? So, ah. so the final category is like, okay, how close did you really come to being king of Westeros? Are you like, as we're going to discuss with Damon the First, did you actually have one great How about a, a close run thing? Close run? Uh, uh, no, no, the phrase, a close run thing. A close run thing. Because it's right. it's how um, uh, Sir Eustace describes the uh, redgrass field, which yeah. kind of, I think, is almost the er example of like, you know, it really came very, very close to going the other way. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, we're going to talk about that. That... That speech is one of George R. R. Martin's best. Mm -hmm. it's, it's right there with the speech in A Feast for Crows. You know the one I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And like so many of just like, wow, you, you really can. Yeah, just beautiful. Emotional. Mm -hmm. That's why I want that to be in a movie someday, just to see so other people can appreciate it. Although read people. Reading is not as nice. <laughs> and we're also going to have the light category of portrait where we're just going to go through and how much just judge them on their looks although that will be a five point category again we don't want to give too much points to looks looks can be deceiving as we're going to talk about here because looks are important for why yes. some people sided with Damon over Darren mm -hmm. not, to mention, not to mention that's how Kennedy, that's part of the reason Kennedy uh, was popular oh yes Kennedy versus Nixon <laughs> mm -hmm. it's like yeah he's handsome He's handsome. He look. He's looks in control. I don't like these Nixons just rattling off facts. That's boring. Right. Actually, would you actually would you put in charisma for that then? Yeah, because I I think that's the thing. If if you know Damon was was uh, purely a himbo with nothing else going on. Oh yeah, no. You know he wouldn't have gotten as far as he did, but he actually had something underneath the surface. Yeah, as I'll get into. Well, that's what we're going to get into when we talk about his son. That's kind of what he ultimately boiled yeah. down to, which is sad, but true. It's... And uh, last category, I was originally going to call it martyr or enemy, but that's way too much of a debate in and of itself. So we're just going to stick with dragon or dud or whatever your house sigil is. Or are, you, <laughs> okay. are you someone that's really 
exemplary and someone that has a huge impact on history and is rememberable or and memorable does not mean good at all because we we voted Magor the Cruel and Aegon the Unworthy and the Mad King all got dragons because they would not be forgotten. They they clearly had an impact. Not at all a good one, but they had an impact. Exactly. Or Dud. And like Dud is basically you weren't bad, maybe, but or maybe you were, but like not in a way that really speaks out as something to be remembered. You were, you were perhaps uninteresting. Yeah. Well, not even uninteresting. Like we found Maycar interesting, but just like it's just like, yeah, but you're kind of a footnote. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like just like you did the job. You didn't do bad. Yeah, you killed your brother, but you did it accidentally. It's kind of... That's it. Yeah. 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 So, let's get into the main event. Our first episode on Damon the First. So, this episode's going to be fun because we already did the Darren episode, so this is kind of our, our counterpoint episode. This is us going full Ricardian. This is us going full Blackfire. This is us painting and realigning the facts to be completely as sympathetic as we can get for Damon's point of view. (laughs) So, first off, does he have a nickname? Yep. Like most, he carried the title of the Rightful King, but he was commonly called the Black Dragon. Nice. He was also known as the King Who Bore the Sword. Mm-hmm. So, pretty good nicknames. Yeah. So, now we're going to go through his life story, and both of you uh, just chime in at any point you want. Mm-hmm. So, sure. interesting point. So, even before his birth, Damon Blackfire brought scandal and chaos to Westeros. Oh, the very oh. nature of his conception was a key moment in, in politics of the Targaryens. His mother was Dana the Defiant, daughter of the Broken King and Queen of Denera. Dana was married, like many Targaryens, to her brother Baelor, but to her confusion and frustration, Baelor refused to consummate the marriage. <gasps> yeah, it's. I'm really lo- looking forward to what Martin writes of that in Fire and Blood Volume Two. I'm just like, poor Dana. It's like what? Like you don't want to? Why? Well, and then locking her. I think the bigger issue was, you know, locking well, yeah, her up in a in a yeah, tower. Yeah, yeah, that that probably a bit a bit bigger. I do wonder, and this is my own like little fan theory, and Stephen like weigh in if you want, but like sure. I kind of wonder because like Darren, like like Dana is described as being very similar to Darren, the young yeah. dragon, and it's kind of like, well, why didn't you marry her? Ah, so this is actually something that's come up. Um, I think there's a, a suspect Martin about this um, oh, okay. that suggests that basically uh, Darren was either was betrothed, I think, to a uh... sorry, I'm just going to wait on that. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, sure, so Darren was uh, at least betrothed and possibly married to a foreign bride that oh. was meant to gain oh, him no. sort of geopolitical military advantage. 
Yeah. Not good. Okay. Um, and that just because he died at a very young age, that never really um, was. Happen. Well, it just e- either it didn't happen or like he died without issue. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, well, that was something I, 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 I've been asking around, and that, that's great that you found that out, because, like, that's always, like, rattled me. I was just like, that's such a weird thing, and that's one thing we took him to task for, was, like, right. you didn't get married, and you didn't leave at any issue, and that's Yeah, not I mean, bad. he wasn't expecting to die at such a young age. But... Of course, naturally. Yeah. Well, but I mean, it, more, but more you kind of have to... Person. I think that's why he, Baylor, he he arranged Baylor and Dana to marry because like I'm about to go to war, so okay. Yeah, I mean you know he had you know brothers and sisters and right. you know the, the an uncle with about. kids, so yeah there there were dynastic alternatives, but yeah. um, certainly temperamentally I think you know Dana cert would have been much much happier with uh, her brother Darren. Yeah. Also like. My own pet theory, though, is that Darren arranged for for Dana to marry Baylor because I think he underestimated Baylor and thought, like, okay, Dana's going to be really in charge, but, you know, like, wink, wink, but Baylor's in charge. Right. If worse comes to worse. That's Sadly, my own, that didn't quite work. Yeah, that's my own pet theory. That's a good theory, actually. Yeah. Baylor nice. the Blessed, and it's a slight tangent. Baylor the Blessed, in my opinion, is such a weird paradox of a ruler. Yep. He is such yeah. a bizarre. Well, we're going to talk about him. Like, a, So, when Baylor unexpectedly became king, he, un, he successfully petitioned the High Septon to annul his marriage to Dana. Not soon after, Baylor ordered that Dana be imprisoned in a tower in the Red Keep along with her two sisters so that they would not tempt the world. Jesus. Yeah, which is, yeah, just like, like you said about the paradox, it's like, it's weird where it's just like, just Baylor always like bounces between like, oh, I kind of admire you for doing that. And that's like, oh, ugh, that's. Yeah, a lot of it has to do with his own sort of psychosexual projection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Baylor's other sister, Reyna, accepted her fate as she was as pious as her brother. The youngest oh, sister, Elena, shaved her head and begged Baylor to release her, as now she would no longer tempt men. But Baylor flatly refused to release Elena. Like, can you imagine that logic. That's just like so sad. It's like, I've shaved my head. Now I'm ugly. Now what can I go out? No. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like, for God's sakes, cut the girl a bit of slack. This is like one of the rare points where I agree with Cersei, where it's like, no, this guy's a monster. <laughs> Like, he would do that to his sisters? Dana, incensed by her imprisonment, would escape from her captivity several times, sometimes swapping clothes and and places with a maid in order to get free. Once free, she behaved in the exact opposite manner of pious Baylor. She would seduce Ah. cousin Prince Aegon, soon the, the son of future King Viserys II. This resulted in Dana the Defiant becoming pregnant. Decades later, people would wish that Dana had been less defiant given all the trouble that baby would one day bring to the realm. I love that little line from The World of Ice and Fire. It's just like, nope. Nope. That's going to be... That created a lot of problems. Yep. Dana's pregnancies and actions drove Baylor to fast to absolve his sister of her sins. Mm Mm-hmm. 
These many fasts eventually led to Baylor, supposedly, starving to death. Inadvertently, Damon was one of the reasons that Baylor the Beloved would die. Baylor the Beloved? Oh, goody. Yeah. Well, that's what he was known as. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're all history fans here, so I'll say it. Like, there, there's like a, this quote by Fabian Nuri, who was talking about it when he was writing The Death of Stalin, is like, the strange thing is, is tyrants are loved. Mm. Yeah. Is that is that a million people went to Stalin's funeral. They weren't compelled to do it. They just wanted to go to to see Stalin's funeral. Is Amazing. that, yeah, is that tyrants can be loved. And like, yeah. There was not a lot theoretically for that Baylor did that really caused super suffering for the people. Yes, that'll give you credit for it. It's mainly just the nobles that hated him. Mm. Although any like a lot of girls could also complain about Baylor because he also suggested that fathers put chastity belts on on their daughters. Yikes! So yeah, yeah. like I said again, there, he's a great contradiction. Mm. so that's just an interesting thing is like even like by Damon's conception and birth like that was a scandal in and of itself and so it's kind of sets the tone for all of Damon's life Mm. of just always causing a little bit of ruckus and always causing a little bit of uh, problems oh dear Dana gave birth to a fully Targaryen boy that she fittingly named Daemon after the rogue prince who was neither fully good nor fully evil and brought scandal and discord to the realm. How fitting. Dana was tight-lipped on the identity of the father for the remainder of her brother's reign, so the, bo- the boy was known as Daemon Waters. Interesting. Dana was presented as an heir to the throne when Baylor the Blessed starved himself to death, but her claim was passed due to the traumas of the Dance of the Dragons, but also they doubted her character as she was the mother of a bastard. So, sexism, yay, still is there, and it's also a little bit where it's just like, yeah, that you had a bastard is not going to win you a lot of supporters. I mean, I think the dominant factor is just that you have Viserys, who's been effectively running the government for several years. Yeah. It's sort of a powerful incumbency effect kind of thing. Yeah, we we like Viserys. Like, yeah, he he totally deserved to be king. I mean, he was basically king, as you said, for especially for Baylor. It's just like it's like, well, so so you don't buy the theory that he uh, may have assassinated Baylor. Oh, no, no, no. Um. I've talked about it before, but oh, no, no, I think he did. Because I also think, like, that, that throwaway thing they say in the world of Ice and Fire, I thought, I think Baylor was trying about to go to war with the uh, North and the Iron okay. Islands. All right, fair enough. So it's just like, I think, like, oh, yeah, that totally sounds like him. Like, he is that mm. pious and that stupid to where it's just like, and he's, but also I like what Chloe said, he's also stupid enough to just starve himself to death. Yes, that's, see, that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in that boat where it's like, you know what? Given how bipolar is probably not the right word, but just sort of um, on a whim he is. Yeah, he would do something that crazy. Yeah. So I think he, I think, uh, I think Viserys did poison him, but like at the same time, it's just like he barely had to just because 
Baylor was about to die anyways. But, yeah. Enough to fester the rumor that he starved himself to death. Yep. What? Well, it's I'm like, uh, it's that's like a John Aaron. It's like, it's, it's, well, it's, it was a little bit strange, but, eh, nothing too mysterious, seemingly. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Right. So, and this is something I'd like to hear your thoughts on, Stephen, but like, sure, sure. and this is where we need Fire and Blood 2. Although, no pressure, George, you're not our bitch, we're yours. <laughs> is we do not know much about Dana's life after this or the early life of Damon. But we do do know how he came to be celebrated and recognized by by his father, Aegon the Unworthy, when Aegon took the crown under suspicious circumstances. Just rapid fire of like, maybe Baylor was poisoned and also maybe Viserys was poisoned. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you you can go the extreme like Aegon IV was a serial killer route. Oh. Um, or, you know, uh, at least a parasite, ah, parasite. Um, yeah. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think there's a lot of potentially sort of dramatically plausible situations, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Viserys, you know, if Viserys had poisoned Baylor, getting poisoned in turn is sort of, you know, a nice bit of dramatic irony. On the yeah. other hand, it's also sort of dramatic irony that, you know, you, you, you know, he finally gets the thing that he's been waiting for all this time and feels like he's been owed and then all of a sudden just drops dead on, on his own accord. Yep. Um, yep. So I think that works as well. Honestly, like, it's just like, Aegon the Unworthy strikes me as so lazy. It's just like, I don't think he has it in him because he's just so lazy to, hmm. to, to, to scheme killing his, his, his father. It's just like, everything about his reign is just like, I just want to party. Like... What? Ruling? No, just give that to my hands. Right. Deal with I want to rule, I want to sleep with as many girls as possible. He he's unfortunately he's he was he was Robert on steroids of just like he of like Robert like when he got something that interested him as in like war oh okay, yeah, I'll perk up. I I, I totally care about war. But when it's just like politics, like okay, yeah, whatever, I don't care. Trade discussions? No, I don't care. Exactly. You know, uh, what? that's being king, sir. Like, I don't care. Go away. Find find someone else to do it. Get me some more wine. Yeah. That's basically him. Whereas Viserys is like, get me more girls, get me more wine. Oh, and try some of that. And I want some of that new, uh, that new lice, that new lice hallucinant narcotic. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Yeah. So. Aegon the Unworthy, like, um, well, just about, like, the thing is, like, Damon, though, I think you've talked about this on other podcasts, Stephen, but, like, the thing is, like, the only reason I, I feel that, like, Damon's identity was a secret during Baylor's rule was because it was under Baylor's rule, mm-hmm. where it was just, like, this open embarrassment of, like, oh, my gosh, my sister, who I who I was supposed to imprison, like, got out and got pregnant. <laughs> and he probably would have punished de- deservedly Aegon the Unworthy if he had known who was the father. Right. So that might have been why she was tight-lipped? I mean, I think she just wanted to, like, you know, kind of 
one more fuck you. It's like, no, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to help you. Like you locked me away in a tower. Like I'm going to be as annoying as possible. Right. Yeah. But, but I think that once like Baylor is dead, that's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Aegon. Yeah. Mm. It, it's just literally that like once it's like Baylor's out of the way and there's no more attempt to be like this pious country. It's just like, oh yeah, open season. Openly admitting, yep. except for except for Oscar Plum, like Viserys, Aegon, like never like denied any of his kids. That's yeah. the thing. Like legitimized was like at his deathbed, but he never denied like paternity for any of his kids. Which I mean, that's there's something noble about that. Maybe not something smart about that, but there is something almost noble about that. Halfway yeah. decent. Yeah, at least that's decent. Why, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, I see it as the same thing. I know, less extreme case, but Oberyn Martell. Yeah, he yeah. Never, he never said, yep, those are my those are my daughters. Yeah, he never denied them. Well, no, like uh, the the awkward, not to get into it because we don't know what happened behind closed doors, but like the awkward Thomas Jefferson situation of like... I, that's slightly different because slavery, but... Yeah, obviously, yeah, but just like, it's like, I can't acknowledge them, but I'm not gonna deny that they're mine. They're gonna be free when I'm. They all curiously either escaped or or were freed in my will, huh? Well, okay, not don't dwell on it. No. Yeah. Well, the other thing too, I think he's complex founding father. Well, and the problem with Viserys is that's like you have many kids. You acknowledge all of them. Oh no, Aegon, you mean? Sorry, Aegon. My bad. It's and you're the freaking king. Yep. You rule the country. Well, as we talk about, like, and we talked about with Robert, and this is the credit to Robert, was Robert, like, one that's also, was just like Cersei hated her ba- his bastards, but, like, he he never did, like, bring them to court or shower them with lands or anything. He's like, yep, mine, but not going to do anything about it. Well, I mean, she did, you know... Eventually, yes. assassinate children. So I think he was more than a little bit leery of what would happen. Right. Yeah. Well, but one thing, one thing that I, that I like to bring up with the bastards is that the problem is there's healthy, there's healthy ways to get rid, there's healthy ways to keep them, but there's no promise on how a they're how they're going to turn out, or b their impact on court because no one's gonna, no one's gonna be able to predict that. Yep. Uh, because things are never, things are never cut and dry. Yeah. Oh, actually, okay. Here's a, just like a, now I'm thinking about it. Everyone compares Aegon the Aegon the Unworthy, rightfully so, to Henry VIII. But the other king I'm thinking of now, just out of the blue, is uh, he's also a little bit like good Bonnie Charles II. Yeah, yeah, I can see like, that. Of like he had so many bastards because unfortunately his one legitimate wife, like she didn't have kids. And it's clearly like oh. Awkwardly, Oops. like, this guy clearly can have kids. It really is on her. Ooh, awkward. Well, yeah. I mean, he also very rarely slept with her. Yeah, yeah. But he also very famously, like, refused to divorce her. Yes, well, that yeah. that's what happens when you're, you know, crypto-Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, the paradoxes, yeah. And, uh, so, okay, back to the main event. So, okay, um... Aegon the Unworthy in his youth was a warrior and greatly enjoyed the company of others. 
He was very narcissistic with a fragile ego, but he did have great pride in his bastard, Damon. Damon, like many of his ancestors, was a born warrior. He was one of the youngest knights ever. At the age of 12, he was knighted by his father, the king. As a gift, Damon would be bequeathed the Targaryen ancestral sword, Blackfire. Oh, this yeah. single act, more than anything, would lead to the death of thousands, as countless wondered if there was truly great meaning behind Aegon the Unworthy giving Damon the sword. So, first off, and this is a bit like getting into character understanding, but like with the Jamie Lannister chapters we get in Storm of Swords, knighting a kid when they're young is it always turns out to be a bad idea. Well, because you just gave... It just, it just always goes to their head. Not only that, but you just gave a kid more power than most adults have. Yeah. And they have no clue. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know necessarily, like, to me the more significant thing is that this is a kid who's grown up not knowing who his father was. And almost in the same instant, he learns who he is, he learns he's the king, and, like, his father gives him the ultimate show of affirmation. Yeah. So I think that was enormous for Damon's, you know, development, is yeah. that he sort of, you know, I mean, in some ways, it would be way more bizarre from a sort of character perspective that he wouldn't have decided that he should be king after that yes. yeah that was like such it's such a grand ceremony and such a grand moment like that that it honestly when you like think about it it's like it sounds like oh okay that's his heir all right yeah that's what it kind of sounds like and that's why i've said it before like if i were a peasant i probably would have sided with damon just because it's just mm. like it there seems like a lot of signs that i think Aegon really did want Damon to be his heir. Right. So, according to all of Damon's supporters, Blackfire had been passed down to every Targaryen heir from Aegon the Conqueror. Mm. Actually, okay, this is something I'm just like a uh, Stephen. Like, yeah, you know who had Blackfire during the Dance of the Dragons? Oh, good question. Uh, hold on a second. Let me quickly mm. look at the wiki. Um, so. Known wielders. Um, okay. So, Aegon, mm -hmm. Enos, Magor, Jaehaerys the First, mm -hmm. uh, Darren, the First, Damon. Um, yeah, that, we got to ask Martin yeah. sometime. Yeah. Um, hold on. No, no, no. So, um, uh, Alfred, Sir Alfred Broom uses it to execute Tristane Truefire. Oh, so, okay, okay. that must have been given so, it on the second. Been, it might have been kind of under lockdown. Well, I, I, I think the issue is that, like, Aegon would have been using it, except that he was so physically disabled by that point yeah. that mm -hmm. he was, yeah. you know, just sort of using it, you know, had to give it other people to symbolically use in right. his name. Okay, all right. Well, I, all right, then that informs a little bit about about uh, what we're going to talk about for legitimacy. So Aegon the second, probably, then, Aegon the Usurper. Yeah. At Blackfire, not Rhaenyra. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, that's another mistake, Viserys. <laughs> so... So, yeah. 
To all of Damon's detractors, they emphasized that, that da- Blackfire was simply a prized heirloom, that Aegon the Unworthy bequeathed it to Damon because he was a warrior. The saying went, you do not give your best horse to someone who cannot ride. Good, good move. Good advice. Honestly, like, and, uh, well, I don't know. Should we talk about this in the legitimacy or should we talk about it now? Let's save it for legitimacy. Yeah. Save it for okay. legitimacy. Save it for legitimacy. Come back to that. Yeah. Because honestly, it's a little bit more getting into a- Aegon's mind, but it's like, I don't know. It's, that really is like such a public ceremony. Right. It's such a really big deal that it seems like, I don't know. Ooh. Yeah. Damon, according to both the songs and the histories, fell in love with his half-sister Daenerys and wanted mm-hmm. to marry her. However, Aegon himself did not let him marry Daenerys. Instead, he had his son marry Rohan of Tarosh to gain an alliance with the Taroshi. Writers of Rohan, anyone? Yep. Later, Blackfire supporters would claim that Aegon had promised that Daemon could be polygamous and marry Daenerys too. Regardless, okay. Daemon would have seven sons with, Daener- with uh, Rohan to match Boy. the seven gods. Seven sons, and at least one daughter that we know of. Nice. So, who knows? I, I kind of suspect that was true, just because one, Aegon was who he was. He was like, yeah, you can, I need you to marry her, but then you can marry Daenerys oh, yeah. also. You, you'll be just like Aegon the Conqueror. You'll marry one for, for duty and one for love. Mm-hmm. Fine by me. Although, I don't know. At the same time, if that if that were the case, like, why didn't Aegon just marry a bunch of these other women? Um, well, I, I mean, yeah, so I think part of it is that, you know, and this goes to Aegon's character, that just, Aegon slept with a lot of women, but um, I, I, my friend, uh, Good Queen Alley, uh, points out that, like, given that his mother kind of left him at a young age, he didn't really trust women very well. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that probably does have a big impact on you. Yeah. Interesting. And his father was always busy all the time, so he probably never talked about it to to his son. Right. So, yeah. Did mommy abandon me? Well, no. No. Well, yeah, she did, but... <laughs> mommy yes. abandoned us! Now go away! <laughs> I mean, like, you know, Viserys was, was not a, a warm and loving person, period. No. No. Which is why he got on perfectly with his equally cold brother. Poor Aegon the Third. Yeah, I know. Just as I said before with the Darren episode, I will say it again: it is impossible to talk about Damon without talking about Darren. Right. Even before they would become bitter enemies, they were the perfect opposites to one another, as described by Sir Eustace Osgray. Damon was a handsome warrior who preferred the company of knights. Darren, in contrast, was spindly with a prominent belly, though he was not obese like his father. Ha. Darren preferred the company of women and, and maesters. He was, as I would argue, borderline effeminate compared with the heroic and manly Damon. As the saying goes, he was a bit camp. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know about that so much as just... I, I always see him as favoring uh, his his grandfather over his father. Oh but, yeah, like his his reaction to sort of Aegon the Fourth's kind of uh, cartoonishly exaggerated 
uh, machismo is playing more towards the kind of uh, scholar administrator. Mm-hmm. But like and, he, you I, know, un- I, unlike I, unlike uh, Damon the Second, right? He he's yeah. not becoming a bard himself. You know, he yeah. he doesn't have the whole um, you know Nero quality to him. He's just uh, more of a nerd, really. Well, um, yeah, but but that's what I'm saying is like. When I say like borderline, I'm not saying he actually is like in that camp level, personally. Like I'm saying, or like, or, or like you said, perfectly with Nero. It's just like that because he's a nerd, as you say, and that's the perfect way of describing it. It's like to when he's surrounded by knights and like lords who who value being like a strong warrior. Being a nerd doesn't really earn you points. No. And like, yeah, it's it's you know the I I think the useful sort of uh, counterexample here is Jaehaerys the first. Yeah, like, right. Jaehaerys could get away with being, you know, the sort of learned person he was because he could perform that warrior masculinity as well. Like, you're allowed right. to be a warrior poet as long as you're a warrior first. Yeah. Right. Not, like, same, not with, a poet. same with not Aegon a the Conqueror. Same with Rhaegar. It's always like you have to be. Yeah, have to have that warrior part down before you get the smarts. Right. And like Darren, like didn't and then... didn't bother. Well, he, I I think he tried to do it with his son. Oh yeah, well yeah, with his son, yeah. Yeah, that... and that was always kind of I think one of the things that that you know helped him and and you know play I think mm-hmm. ultimately played a role in sort of saving his his crown is that even if you were like. Uh, I'm not really into to dare on the second. Very few people could sort of say, but his son sucks too. Like, you know, well, it, it was just hard I, to to ignore that. Like, no, Baylor actually did, you know, live up to both of those elements. Actually, I'm gonna kind of disagree with you just because of what I'm about to say. Okay. So, also the perfect contrast was Damon and Darren's relationship with with their father while Aegon outwardly and clearly adored Daemon he all but outright despised Darren sure both would marry essential foreigners to Westeros Mm. but Daemon would marry a Taroshi while Darren was obligated by Baylor the Blessed to marry a Dornish princess in order to maintain peace with Dorne with the war with Dorne under the young dragon in recent memory some people were incensed with that Darren was married to a Dornish woman. And that's a real big deal, I yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's was. Like that, it, it's that, and a lot of people didn't like that Prince Baylor of Breakspeare didn't I, look like a Targaryen. There's, I, I would say more some than a lot. Um, yeah. I, I think the, the, the relevant thing is that, like, because Baylor could perform the whole knightly thing so perfectly, that that was way less of a successful t- like the the fact that that Darren had so many Dornish people at court and in the small council and in his government yeah. i think was a much stronger argument against him than his son like i i think you'd have to be a pretty sort of diehard anti-dornish person to be like no i'm not i'm not for Baylor either and i think that like to me the the really striking thing is the fact that Baylor was able to bring the Stormlands over mm-hmm. to the Targaryen side in the Civil War, yeah. which you really wouldn't expect uh, from sort of geopolitics 
yeah. and like their pre-existing attitudes towards Dorne. So I, I, I think mm-hmm. Baylor was sort of the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Right. Although I will say, like, I, I don't disagree with you. The, the thing I, I think, though, is a little bit that Baylor, I think, became beloved after the war, though, I feel even more so. Just because, I mean, like, that, yeah, I mean, he was. Like, that's you when, know, he, when, like, he, became he became the, the hammer, heroic, and like everyone was like, "Oh, he's gonna be awesome!" Like, when we have him, everything is just gonna be. But like, even before that, like, he was winning tourneys against Damon Blackfire. Yeah, which we're gonna like, talk about. But, yeah, yeah, that that makes you a national, you know, a national celebrity. Yeah, in and right. of itself. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Hmm. Many people of anti-Dornish sentiment would slanderously come to doubt the future of Darren's line, as his firstborn son and heir did not look like a Targaryen with his common brown hair. In contrast, Daemon's children were clearly of the blood of Lyria, with their silver hair and violet eyes. It also was a seeming insult to the warlike Westerosi who had fought with the young, for the young dragon that Darren named his son and heir, Baylor. Hmm. Like, that's something you, Sir Eustace Osgrey like, harps on, of like, you named your son Baylor. <sighs> he thinks like that's ridiculous, <laughs> and he thinks like like that was like Baylor was one of the worst kings ever, and you named your son after him. But that's Eustace Osgrey, who's a bitter yeah. loser. Nah. Yeah. Amusing. To further focus on the different relationship, Aegon would come to openly doubt that Darren was his son, while adoring his bastard son. He also would attempt to go to war with Dorne, the country of his daughter-in-law, seemingly in sp- to spite Darren. Darren was the only one in court who expressed disagreement with this plan. Aegon openly hated Darren and doubted his son was legitimate, while he openly adored Daemon, gave the sword held by every Targaryen king to Daemon, and in his will, he ordered that all of the bastards he recognized were to be legitimized and treated as lords and be bequeathed lands. Aegon ensured that there would be nothing but doubt in Darren's ascension. Now, we're going to probably debate all of that in legitimacy, but just that right there, along with like that early bequeathing, it's just like, especially with the legitimization, it's like, of course, Damon's going to eventually rebel. Mm. And with all that that messing or mocking about, saying, I don't know, is Damon my kid? Is he? Is he? I don't know. And the way that those things link in with the Dornish question as well, like, yeah, you know. There's an old saw that, you know, personnel is, is politics, but that's doubly true in a monarchy because... Oh, well, yeah, that's when it's impossible to separate yeah. the... Hmm. The minute you have a monarchy, it's just like everything about their personal lives becomes part of politics, sadly. Yeah, yeah. That's why there, monarchy there is... is... No, there is no separation. That's why monarchy doesn't work. <laughs> mm, a monarchy works... With the right rulers, the problem is monarchy. Monarchy, I think, in my opinion, this is somewhat a debate. Monarchy works when you don't have a colossal empire, because okay. because one person can control a few. Um, 
Okay, that's an interesting argument. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I particularly agree, but we're kind of off topic now. Yeah, Off topic, more importantly. Upon his official legitimization, Damon took the name of the Targaryen sword, Blackfire. He followed the bastard's tradition of inverting the family's colors by having a black dragon on a red field. He would later invert the traditional armor of the Targaryens as well, wearing red armor with a black dragon ornamented on his helmet. You gotta admit, that would look really cool on the battlefield. Yeah. It'd make really look really cool in a show. I agree with you, Stephen. That would look really cool. Mm-hmm. HBO, come on. Think about it. Mm. Darren was theoretically an honor roll man, as he chose to follow his father's will and provided lands and titles to all of his bastard siblings. Theoretically, he could have chosen to ignore Aegon the Unworthy's will. But for Damon, and this is me reading a bit into it, but Hear me out. For Damon, he suspiciously chose to give lands close to King's Landing, as though he was spying on Damon. Oh, no. Did Damon feel threatened by Darren's kindness? Um, so there is an interesting so spake, Martin. It's not on the, the issue of where he gave him the lands, although I certainly think he wanted him sort of kept close. Um, so this is regarding the, the ultimate marriage yeah. of... Daenerys. Uh, so he says, uh, it's a political marriage, pure and simple, a convenient marriage to guarantee a union between Dorne and the Seven Kingdoms. And also, he prefers to give his sister to the Prince of Dorne over a bastard brother with whom he'd already had a few clashes and whom too many people were looking at as a legitimate claimant to the throne or rightful king. That was the straw that broke the camel's back and helps lead to Damon becoming the first Blackfire pretender. So I certainly think, like, in the early days of Darren's ascension, there is this sort of uh, underlying uncertainty and sort of kind of like quiet jousting for influence. Exactly. Well, that's what I I think in that, like, in choice of lands, like, yeah, I'm going to give you lands. Of course I'm going to give you lands. You're going to get lands right next to the kingdom. Right next to me. So like, I, that's where it's just like... Thank, thank yeah, you. It's like, it's like, are you spying on me? No, of course not. You're my brother. And I love you. I love you too? Good. Right. Yeah, just like... like every, everything's a little question mark. It's like... Yeah. Well, well, it's like Darren, like like you said, like Darren couldn't be stupid. He he, of course, recognized everything that was happening, and knew that his ascension was in doubt. So he couldn't just give Damon everything that he wanted. Right. And even if he did, like Damon, still, I think, would have been suspicious. Yes. And. Maybe envious. Mm. Oh boy. Even more insulting in Darren. So, okay. But here's where we're getting into it. And we were very sympathetic for Darren when we talked about him in his own episode. But this is the Damon perspective episode. So now we're going to be a bit more critical of this. Darren cleared the court of corrupt sycophants in the small council and the city watch. He then sent envoys to Dorne to have the independent kingdom join the realm willingly. To many, it was a horrendous betrayal of the young dragon's actions. Not only that, but the lords were egregiously offended by the terms given to the Dornish, where they were permitted to preserve their regal titles. The rights to succession were solely on birth 
order of birth rather than primogeniture, and the Dornish lords were permitted to collect taxes with minimal oversight from the crown. Darren's supporters hailed him as having united the realm, but opponents could persuasively argue he gave Dorne everything they wanted while the loyal six kingdoms gained nothing. Ouch. That's honestly the truth of the matter. Is like, it's hard to argue. It's like he basically gave Dorne a blank check. Yeah. It's I like, mean, with, with the exception of, of joining the kingdoms. But I, I think the bigger problem is just not spreading the wealth around. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that is the that is feudal politics 101, is that, you know, the, the more you concentrate favor, the more people on the outside who are going to be resentful. And if yeah. you're going to make a big policy change, like, you know, ending a, a massive war and reshaping, you know, the boundaries of the kingdom, like, you know, you need to, to spread the love around. You need to yeah. buy people's political support and... Yeah. He just didn't really do that, and it, you know, ultimately backfired. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, it, it, it is the right decision. When we defended him, it's the right decision, but it's just, like, that he let them call themselves prince and princess. Right. That, like, that they could basically do whatever they want with, like, so little oversight from the crown. It's like, they basically still are independent, Right. It's like the North is pretty divorced from the rest of the of the Seven Kingdoms, but Dorne, it's like it's it's on it's just like it's basically it's like it's four-ish really united kingdoms, and then like the Iron Islands are kind of on their own. The North is pretty damn different, and Dorne is like it's like you are we sure we're one united realm? Right. Well, sure? it's it's more it's it's closer to this idea of a personal union yeah that right. it, it's not so much that dorne is part of the seven kingdoms but that dorne has made a marriage alliance with house targaryen yeah. and therefore will you know recognize house targaryen's um you know political Thor. preeminence yeah it's just like it's making it's essentially making sure that from what i'm gathering it's making sure dorne stays loyal to house targaryen not to the Seven Kingdoms, which in its own way is a good move. It's a good move, but... I mean, like, yeah, the Caesars controlled Egypt, and right. even when the Caesars were were other people, it still was in control of the emperor and not Rome right. itself. Right. And that's smart. But that's like a giant empire, and that's controlling a breadbasket. It's like, what does Dorne bring that's really Useful. super valuable? Not actually that much, per se. Yeah, other than like not going to war with, with Highgarden and the Stormlands every now and then. Right. It's like, what did we and, gain and by being this? The world, and being the world's biggest pain in the butt in terms of... Um, and being the world's largest pain in the butt in terms of uh, guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, maybe that would have worked in in Baylor's reign, but I feel like distance, the the sort of additional distance of time, plays sort of a double edged role, which is yeah. that it's easier. You know, it it is easier to sort of maximize your grievances and 
you know, think that, you know, maybe you really could have won. Um, but, you know, I, I also think that just like a lot of this just has to do with spreading. Like the the example that I've always used is what if the same tax privileges had been given to the lords whose fathers had died in Dorne? Like, yeah. I think that would have, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I don't think that would have like succeeded everything, you know, like. No, but it might have blunted the the yeah uh, yeah just cooled, like it would have definitely cooled some heads yeah. yeah but i mean hey that's politics for you sometimes you make the wrong decision well no you make the right decision but it's still going to be unpopular sorry sorry other way around you're right yeah yeah just because you make the right call doesn't mean you're going to be loved for it oh yeah yeah and the problem is, and the opposite works too, by the way. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah, that that too. Yeah. You make the wrong so, call, but it's popular. It's like, well, you see that all the time. Mm-hmm. Just pandering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, more insulting else. in Darren's appeasement to the Dornish was giving his sister Princess Daenerys hand in marriage to Prince Marin Martell. The supporters of the Black Dragon would insist this was a betrayal of a promise made by Aegon the Unworthy to Daemon. The singers also proclaimed that this was what hardened Damon's heart and drove him to war. But Damon waited for years to begin a rebellion if he wanted to rebel solely for Daenerys. But but you could argue that he was prudent enough to wait to rally enough support to strike against the Iron Throne. Or that it was just, you know, it's a two-stage thing. It's one thing sunders his... um, his sort of emotional connection to the and sort of personal loyalty to the yeah. king. And yeah. then you need a further catalyst to actually, right. sh- you know, shift that into action. Which will, until we get fire and blood volume two, we'll never know for sure. Although I think even then it's going to be, we'll never fully know. Hmm. Actually talking a tiny bit about the quote unquote sources, like uh, for the world of ice and fire, it is interesting because Maester Yandel is like clearly a red, right? Like clearly a Targaryen supporter, and that's weird because like Yandel is writing in the time of Robert, where it doesn't hurt to be like mildly like more sympathetic to the Blackfires. I mean, it's like, I, I think it's, like it's a is kind thing, of like which is on the that, Dance of the Dragons. I, I think it's 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 more a neutral thing, which is just that like. Robert has no particular reason to be like, yay, Blackfires, because they're also Targaryens. Right, yeah. and... they're all Targaryens. They're just Targaryens of a different of a different color. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I'm I'm surprised that like the historian is a little bit more like clearly like, yeah, Damon was not. Yeah, not well not the the one source he uses is unfinished. Yeah. That he's re- like con- you know, relatively contemporaneous contemporaneous manuscript is yeah. unfinished and, and thus probably unpublished. Yeah. Mm. So either Damon waited and slowly cultivated support, or he slowly was persuaded into rebellion by jealous lords ambitious for power. Regardless, yeah. it is beyond dispute that he often hosted lords at his lands who would vent their frustrations with King Darren while complimenting Damon. Of course. But so either... So I can go either way on that. Like it's either Damon was a genius and just like said, 
Oh, hey, lords, come on. And you got problems with King Darren? Oh, just tell me about it. Tell me about all your problems. Mm-hmm. Let me hear it. Or they were just like so pissed off and came to him like, ah, if only you were king. I think it's probably a mix of both. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's clearly someone who was good enough at the sort of interpersonal politics to begin cultivating a followership. But it's also, you know, if you're upset at the way that things are going, right, you know, again, yeah. because personnel is politics, um, you know, you're you're looking for like, okay, well, if I don't like the king, who's the alternative? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Damon's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Damon could also be accused of being motivated by vanity, as noticeably prior to the Blackfire Rebellion, he was prominently defeated in a joust by Darren's son, Baylor Breakspear, who soon would eclipse Damon in the eyes of many as the greatest living knight in Westeros. Mm-hmm. So that's that does matter. Because I mean like, again, a couple years passed, so I I don't know if that was that sharp a spur personally. Certainly, yeah. you know, an annoyance. The the fact that it happened oh, at the at the the you know yeah. uh tourney to celebrate Daenerys' marriage, I think was the more symbolic thing. That like I was gonna say if, that sounds definitely more like Yeah. Yeah, that if that yeah. if Damon had won, he, he could have used that as a a sort of symbolic moment of protest. Yeah. Whereas losing obviously, you know, gave more of a symbolic upper hand to the sort of uh you know, the the uh Reds and the sort of uh loyalist faction. Yep. Mm-hmm. Damon's key allies were all men who were disgruntled with Darren. His main ally, Agor Rivers, known by his nickname of Bittersteel, and I want to pause here just to say I wonder if, like, Bittersteel is, like, that's a weird nickname to, like, I wonder if it's, like, kind of one of those things, like, Julius Caesar, where it's this kind of insulting nickname that he just embraced. Yeah, I mean, you look at his portrait, right? You know, the guy's got a face like a slapped ass, as they say. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just think he was, like, you know, in demeanor, somewhat Stanish-ish. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... It's interesting, like, he, he just, like, just chose to, like, uh, and I applaud him. It's like, all right, going to embrace it. Going to embrace that's it, not going to deny it. Well, that's that's how you that's how you get around people mocking you. Is, no, as Tyrion says, you wear it like armor. Because yep. no one's going to make you, let you forget it. It's like, yep. good, don't. Yeah. Bittersteel was still enraged that his family, the Brackens, had been displaced by the Blackwoods. With his arch-rival, the Blackwood bastard, Brynden Rivers, dubbed Blood Raven, was a prominent member of Darren's court. Bittersteel could be seen could be seen just as ambitious and jealous as Damon, because Damon agreed to marry his daughter to Bittersteel. And Bittersteel also jealously hated Blood Raven for winning the affection of their sister, Shiera Seastar. Hmm. Well, there's also the fact that he had a personal grudge against uh Darren because when Darren was prince Darren had exiled Agor and his mother from court and Ooh. yeah mm-hmm. so th- there's sort of this interesting thing where like you know Darren had showed like had showed favoritism towards Bloodraven and his mother and enmity towards Bittersteel yeah. and his mother yep. um, 
So there's that sort of personal motivation as well. Uh, and there's also the possibility that like, you know, uh, one of the things that I was working on is like the ages, right? There, there's a good possibility that like among the, the sons who could have been put forward instead of, um, instead of Darren would be Agor. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, his, his mother was talking about becoming queen. So if that had happened, Agor himself might've been the, the one that to, to rally around instead of Damon, but he sort of, that didn't happen. So he takes this more sort of like, as I kind of put it, a campaign manager role. Yeah. Uh, it's not bad. The consigliere. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we, it's been said many times, but like, in many ways, the Blackfire Rebellions are really just the story of Bittersteel and Bloodraven. Yeah, they are the protagonist own... and antagonist. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who you want to slot into each role. Exactly. Right. Also allied to Damon was his former Master of Arms and tutor Sir Quentin Ball, nicknamed Fireball, not the Whiskey, for his mm. temper and red hair. Kind of the Whiskey. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Sir Quentin... Sir Quentin had been promised by Aegon the Unworthy that he would be allowed to join the Kingsguard when a space opened. He ended his marriage and forced his wife to become a Septa so that he would be eligible for the Kingsguard. But Aegon the Unworthy died and the position of the Kingsguard would go to another knight during the reign of King Darren. Also allied with Daemon was House Peak, who once were served as the regents for the Broken King. So really important, prominent allies. Yeah. Eventually, numerous lords were gathering to meet Damon, a spy or Bloodraven himself. It was Bloodraven, I bet. Mm. Relayed the message to King Darren that a conspiracy was afoot. Darren ordered the arrest of Damon, but Fireball slayed Damon's would-be captors. It would always be remembered that Darren had made the first strike against Damon. Theoretically... Damon could plead innocence that, and that he fought to rid the realm of a paranoid and cruel king. Appearances God. are everything in politics. I know. I said, gotta love these politics. It's like, hey, hey, I, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't doing anything. You made the first strike. Not me. Not me. It's like funny little loophole there, boy. Yep. Always love the loopholes. Damon was crowned Damon I of House Blackfire, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms, rightful King of the Andals, the Roinar, and the First Men. He also boldly, and perhaps justifiably, proclaimed that Darren was the bastard son of Aemon the Dragon Knight and a usurper from the rightful king. This was important politically, as Damon would base his claim to the throne not on usurpation, but on legitimacy against Darren's supposed illegitimacy. Really important. I know. Damon would, war... yeah. Damon would war with Darren, but we do not have much in the way of concrete details uh, on the battles beyond that the first Blackfire Rebellion lasted a year. We also know that Damon would have coins minted for him during this his time as king. Mm-hmm. In the final battle for the realm, King Damon clashed with forces led by Darren's sons, Baylor, Breakspear, and Makar the Anvil. In the battle was Sir, Os- Sir Eustace Osgray and Sir Arlen of Penetry. Two characters who later appear in the in the Duncan Egg books, just for Evan's nice. sake. Yeah. 
King Damon would clash with Sir Gwain Corbray of Darren's Kingsguard. The two clashed with Valyrian swords, but in the end, Damon emerged triumphant. Damon, nice. being an honorable man, sought to remove Sir Gawain from the body from the field of battle for a proper burial. The cowardly or opportunist Stick Bloodraven exploited King Damon's honor and had his archers slay Damon's son, Aegon. When Damon rushed from his defenses to his son, the cowardly blood raven slayed the king. His other son, Aemon, tried to take Blackfire and rally the blacks, but he too was slain by arrows by blood raven. It was, though, as blood raven apologists would later say, there is no honor in war. Uh, yeah, but still, that's it is. But that's a bit low. It is. It honestly is. I mean, by the same time, like, I completely understand with Blood Raven's perspective. It's like, I could end the war right now. I'm going to take that chance. I don't care what they call me. I ended the freaking war, so shut up. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly what he would have liked to believe. The irony is that, um, you know, that did kind of help to create this, like, you know, myth or or legend of like oh the evil blood raven and the like martyred um damon blackfire that like helped to ensure that the blackfire cause would keep going after damon's right. death so I mean, it's, I mean, it's one of the things about blood raven that's that's kind of interesting is that like he very much is kind of playing that um you know if if makar is like a proto stannis blood yeah. raven has a lot of kind of tywin-esque qualities oh, to him yes he does and like but a lot of them backfire way way faster yeah you know, that you know he he tries to sort of do this kind of hard power you know nothing else matters kind of thing and it's like well okay great but then you get the third blackfire rebellion right. congratulations you know you you prevented the next blackfire rebellion uh for a few years yeah but nothing more than that I mean, his actions also, like, directly caused the fourth Blackfire Rebellion. Yeah. Just because, like, it's like, what? You executed? You can't do that. I mean, like, the, the sad thing is, is just like that for the Blackfires, it's like they, they, they're completely justified in saying that the, the Targaryens are monsters because every time that the, the Blackfires surrender or are under a banner of peace, the Targaryens end up executing them anyways. Right. So just like, ooh, that is pretty low. Well, it's like, it's like don't be Ramsey. Don't be Ramsey. Yeah. Don't be Ramsey. So that gets you in the short term, but not the long term. You gotta think nope. long term. Yeah. Well, yeah, what Stephen said earlier, yeah, it's like, it's like short-term gains, long-term losses. Bittersteel tried to rally his forces to victory, but Bloodraven defeated Bittersteel in single combat at the cost of an eye. Bittersteel would flee to the east with many Blackfire loyalists, where he formed the sellsword company, the Golden Company. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, although there's kind of an interesting, like, um, gap, historically. Yeah. You know, it takes, I think it's like seven years for that to happen. So there's clearly like a period where they thought they might come over faster and yeah. that didn't quite pan out. So, you know, this was like plan B. Yeah. You right. know, maybe plan C. It, well, it's probably, probably my, my guess is they were probably held in reserves so that you have 
if they needed an army, it's a case of like, okay, literally, we can rally these guys in a day, and boom, yeah. we've got an army. Because well, feudal feudal armies take months to, to get ready. I mean, I think part of it is also that, you know, they were, as with, you know, many exile, uh, you know, losers in, in medieval civil wars, like, you're in another country, in this case, Tehrosh, mm-hmm. and you're hoping that you're going to be able to get back real soon. And the longer that that doesn't happen, um, the more you start to see people trickle away. Yeah. Right. 100%. And, you know... And, and- why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? They got to yeah. make money. They got to live. They got to eat. Um, yeah. And so I think it was at that point that, you know, and, and Bittersteel himself, like, he wasn't any different. He fought in the Second Sons. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it took him a while to sort of figure out, like, okay, if I don't do this, there's not going to be a Blackfire cause. Yeah. Right. Probably also, I think, a little bit that Bittersteel, like, and we're, we're going to get to with the Dame in the second episode, but it's also this, like, Oh, but, like, the one that I'm supposed to, like, be my heir, like, my rallying point is, like, this guy is not up to the task. Like, this kid is not Damon. So, it's like, and so he was, like, figuring out what to awkwardly do because his Damon II wasn't really the rallying point. That's ironic. It's like they could tell, like, ooh, no, not this kid. Not this kid. I find it kind of hilarious when rebellions stop just because, like, this, it's like, we thought this was going to go great, and boy, did it not. Oh, well, yeah. Always. Well, um, I mean, recently I've been studying uh, more about the Wars of the Roses and, like, the the, the sad, strange story of, of, of these, like, pretenders during Henry VII's reign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, like, it's like, hey, like, I'm Perkin Warbeck. I'm pretending to be Prince Richard. So I got this big army with me. And, hey, army, where'd you go? What? No, aren't you going to fight? What? Oh, crap. Continue our epic tale. Okay. Last last part of the epic tale, and then we're going to get into the ranking part, finally. So... Two of Damon's sons would later lead rebellions against the crown, along with a grandson and a great-grandson. For decades after, flowers would be placed by peasants on red grass fields for the slain rightful King Damon. Something that annoyed the hell out of Bloodraven. <laughs> yes. And that's why he tore down white walls to make sure I'm not making this a, a, another Blackfire sympathy point right like you killed him now you gotta pay the consequences yep all right so let's get into the ranking part let's start this debate sure so okay here are my notes for legitimacy damon was the bastard son of king aegon the unworthy and princess dana the defiant both were the offspring of kings like darren he was fully targaryen he also would be legitimized by the will of Aegon the Unworthy, cleansing him of his bastardry in the law. That's a good point. Yes. Aegon the Unworthy often favored Daemon over his only legitimate son, Darren. He also would bequeath the sword Blackfire to Daemon. To the Blackfires, this was a show of the king's will. The sword had been held by every Targaryen king. Along with the legitimization, it was a clear sign that Daemon was Aegon's heir. 
The yeah. Reds, conversely, claim that the sword is not the kingdom, with Makar later proclaiming to his son Egg that it was merely a gift to give a worthy warrior. Damon was a warrior unlike Darren, so Damon would naturally be given the best sword. You do not give your best horse to someone who cannot ride, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. Beyond Damon's own claim to the throne, Aegon the Unworthy would spread rumors fully believed and even celebrated by some, by the small folk, that Darren was the bastard son of Aemon the Dragon Knight and Princess Nerys. While historians insist that this is nonsense as Aemon was a dutiful member of the King's Guard and Nerys a pious woman, no one could deny how close they were, nor that Darren preferred the company of, of his uncle to his father. So, well, he's pretty, he's actually pretty damn legitimate. Okay, yeah. and then, okay last one, last one. Okay. Yeah. If Darren was a bastard, he had no legitimacy to the Iron Throne, making any son legitimized by Aegon the Unworthy eligible for the Iron Throne. In the case of primogeniture, Damon was Aegon the Unworthy's first son. So theoretically, the throne belonged to him if Darren was a bastard. Right. Yeah, that's why, I mean, so I've written about this a little bit. You know, Daron is much older than Damon by about 17 years. Yep. Uh, so he really has to make an argument that not only is Damon legitimate, but that his brother is not, because yeah, that's right. what we're going by. Um, on the other hand, proximity potentially favors Damon instead, because right. both men are sons of Aegon the Fourth. But Daron is the son of Nerys, who is the daughter of Viserys II, and Daemon is the son of Daena, who is the daughter of Aegon III, who came before Viserys. So arguably, his claim on the female side is better, although the female side is ultimately irrelevant for succession. Yeah, that's the whole dance of the dragons. (laughs) Right, well, and we saw that in history, too. Technically, Henry VII, Henry Tudor, was only a royal by his mother's blood, and even then, that was a that was a, a thin margin. So yeah, I, I mean, mean, I would I would say that you know, if, if we're going by historical parallels, Damon's claim is a lot better than Henry the Seventh's. Oh yes. hell yeah, yes. Henry the Seventh had a, like, I'm 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 work I'm sort of working on a comedy play about Henry the Seventh. Honestly, Henry the Seventh had a better claim to the French crown than he did to the English crown. Right, because he was. He was Charles VI's grandson. That's like, okay, maybe you got a case there. It's like he had to trace so far back to to where he was related to any English royalty. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what you do when princes mysteriously he won. Doesn't... He won. Yeah, <laughs> it he doesn't won. matter. <laughs> True enough. So, let's talk a little bit. So, let's talk about it. So, Honestly, my own two cents about it. I think honestly, Aegon did mean for Damon to be his heir. Me too. Yeah, he just for whatever reason, like, I mean, in part, I think this is a a a, uh, Doyleist thing that, in order for the Blackfire Rebellion to work, he can't have explicitly published a will. Yes, he's relying on that ambiguity, which is yeah. Risky. Yeah. I think the other reason why he didn't make it explicit is just because he knew that if he flat out did openly disinherit 
Darren, then he knew that that would be the war right then and there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to that extent, he was... Aegon Fourth was always something of a coward when it came to forcing yeah. that yeah. confrontation. He just wasn't willing to pull the trigger. No, yeah, no. But, no, yeah, I honestly think, like, Damon's got, like, the... And all the other Blackfires are, like, all basing their claim off of Damon. So, like, that's a bit more looser. But, like, for Damon himself, he he's got a pretty strong a, case. He's got enough of a case to where the, the fact that there's enough ambiguity that people are willing to side for him, it's like, yeah, he could do it. And, like, okay, so... I mean, definitely the knighting. The knighting and Blackfire. Right, the knighting and Blackfire are your major things. And the problem with, again, I, I say Blackfire is a symbolic thing. But symbolism in war works wonders. Yeah. Well, this is so, where Fire and Blood actually kind of adds some additional precedent, which is that apparently Visenya made the same argument about Aeneas giving Blackfire to Magor. Yeah, yes, yes, so, yes. Yeah. like... You know, this is this to a certain extent, I think, weakens Maycar's argument about it was just a sword, it wasn't anything. Like I don't know that it was universally agreed by everyone that like this was, you know, absolutely made you the king, uh, or the heir, but I certainly think there were you know, if there's that long a tradition of it, then you know Something was meant by that. Exactly. Although, like, but this would get into the Dance of the Dragons nonsense, as you helped me, fi- helped us find out, is, like, Viserys I didn't give the, the sword to Rhaenyra, who was his preferred heir. Well, that's, that's, see, there's a, a, a tricky thing, because I, I'm not sure that it was the case that Viserys didn't give it. It's that you have to remember the, the unique circumstances by which yeah. Viserys dies, because Rainra is giving birth on Dragonstone. Yeah. Right? She doesn't have any of the royal accoutrement with her. She doesn't have a no. crown. No. She right. doesn't have the sword. She doesn't have dragon eggs, except for the ones that are on Dragonstone. Um, all of that stuff has to be, like, kind of assembled by people running away from Aegon II's court. True enough. True enough. So, so that's, that's tricky. It, it just may be the case that, like, Viserys did not expect to die. Yeah. Um, and therefore it was just in the red keep and, you know, yeah, that's, that's how Is Aegon the second got his hands on it. Yeah. Right. Honestly, I wouldn't pe- pass Aegon cause I hate him. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate him yeah. as much as I hate Aemon. I, people like, like you were saying, uh, before we recorded like Damon, Damon Targaryen. But like, and I understand a lot of people do hate Daemon Targaryen. I don't love him either. But Aemon Targaryen, I is my least favorite character. Yeah. I truly despise him. He is just <laughs> a total shit. I mean, to be fair, his brothers did gouge his eye out and suffered exactly zero consequences for that. Yeah, yeah. Like but... he's he's mostly a shit, but like. Yeah. He did actually have one legitimate grievance. Yeah. Like, like, he cut out my eye. Yeah, but... And yeah, so that totally justifies death and and murdering 
thousands of people. So, yeah. Yeah, mm. justified. Proportionate response. Proportionate response. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a great show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do we think? Seven. I'm honestly going to go as far as eight and a half. It's right. really a com- one it's out of not, ten. It's not just that that out of ten. It's not just that that like Darren Damon's own case is pretty damn strong with the symbols and the legitimization. It's also that that the, that Aegon the Unworthy puts so much doubt in everyone because the singers really love a good story. Like everyone loves good gossip. To this day, if you learn about certain gossipy nonsense about about princess diana that just like and prince harry there there's always people love a good like ooh, maybe darren is a bastard Ooh, oh that's so romantic Ooh, and just like that little gossipy story just makes it to where to where maybe like maybe damon darren really doesn't deserve to be on the crown on the throne maybe he really is a bastard that m- makes Damon's case even stronger. Right. At least in my eyes. So I will stand by my rating. Eight and a half in my eyes. I mean, if, if we're going by claim, like, you know, people who didn't become uh, king and tried to become king, I might go as high as a nine. It's just wow. that, like, you know, of, like, candidates in a civil war, uh, or, or for, uh, you know, even like can you know, candidates in a, um, uh, great council or something like yeah. he's got the strongest set, like, you know, granted, like, as we sort of said, he doesn't have a will that n- explicitly names him. He wasn't born Aegon the fourth legitimate son, but like short of that, that's about as good as you can get. Yeah. Great. The- Definitely for all these claimants, like none of them are gonna get, like none of them are Aegon the un, the, the uncrowned. So like none of them are gonna be, like are are explicitly the heir. So, yeah. So you will go as far as nine. Yeah, I mean you know ten you would probably go mean you know actually became king. So yeah, you know like came you know how how close can you get to that? I think this is also I'm gonna predict it right now. This is gonna be as this might be as high as we get because after this, like, it just gets murkier and murkier and less and less strong. Right. <laughs> to when you finally get to Balon, where it's like first time, okay, maybe you got a case here, but like the second time's like, oh, what are you talking about? You already tried, man. You already oh. tried and it didn't work. All right, learn. so. So it's. I mean, I'm gonna go as high as say eight. Okay. All right. So for our score, we're giving him a total of fifteen point five. For Stephen, you're you're gonna go as high as I'm just writing down the scores. Sure. For our fun. Uh, I'll fix this up later. All right. So teen for Stephen. Awesome. So next category is potential. So. This is great speculation. But okay, so Damon and Darren are both lionized and demonized by the other side. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So it's completely easy to see, like, for even though we really love Darren in the in our main episode, and I still do think he's he is one of the better Targaryen kings. You can really see him as this like horrible negotiator and a possible usurper, and really just not good at the job. Yeah, I mean. The, the tricky thing with, with Damon as a potential king is it is quite possible that, like, his reign would have just led to the continuation of the Dornish Wars. That's yeah. my opinion. Um, you know, on the other hand, um, and, and this is where I'm sort of thinking about him more as, like, a claimant, um, the fact that he... Uh, established a capital in the Reach that was able to mint coins um, that's impressive you know yeah. as i've sort of said like the only person in the five in the war of five kings who comes even close to that is rob mm. like renly doesn't renly you know as i said understood symbolism but not institutions like rob had lord manderley who like tried to set up a northern mint uh, but, like, that never really got off the ground because of the whole Hornwood crisis and the Boltons. Yeah. Um, Stannis didn't really ever have, like, um, a big enough sort of geographic foothold yeah. for yeah. long enough to do that. Uh, so I think that that it, it speaks to, like, either he had enough people around him who won. You know, the the ambiguity is how much of this is is bitter steel. How much of this yeah. is how much is just that he had people around him who also understood institutional power. Yeah. That in itself is actually not a bad thing for uh, a leader, like being yeah, able no, to delegate and and you know pick people who who also have um, skills is an important characteristic. Absolutely, um, but you know. To the extent that, like, okay, let's give him at least any credit. It really is quite impressive. It indicates a, an understanding of the structures of royal power yeah. and a successful prosecution of a civil war. Uh, one of the things I'm reading right now a book uh, by Christine Dasan called mm-hmm. "Making Money," which is a history oh, of yes, medieval. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's a history of medieval money making. Like, oh. literally, how how did currency get uh, get produced? And, you know, royal authority is really, really centrally uh, implicated in, like, you know, how do you get people to accept your coins? How do you make sure that coins, instead of other things, are used in uh, legal cases and to settle debts and stuff like that? How do you make sure that your coins are of good standard? Um, How do you get people, you know, the in the there's sort of this era of what's called free minting where literally people with precious metal show up at the mint and say, turn this into coins, please. And the coin, the mint would do that and take a cut. Uh, How do you get people to do that? Right. To say like here in the middle of a civil war, take my precious metals, turn (laughs) them into coins that could get me declared a traitor if I own them and we lose. Yeah. Um, So that really is quite impressive as you know, it suggests that rather than just being, you know, nothing but a warrior, that he did have an understand, or at least the people around him had an understanding of how the medieval state worked. Yeah. Well, I can't. That's 
that's why we have you on, Stephen, to bring okay. up points like that. That is so great. And um, I'm going to say, honestly, though, a little bit for, for just adding in for a discussion on this, on his potential. I have some other notes is that one of the things is that he, he was able to gain quite a large support from the small folk who either felt him legitimate or disgruntled with the decisions made by King Darren, the Falseborn. And that's important is like getting people to support you means that you are charismatic, you're inspirational, and that people have legitimate grievances with their reigning monarch. Right. So that's all really important. That's one of the reasons like why in War of the Roses why Henry the Fourth gets to be Henry the Fourth is he basically is like, Hey, I'm here. Hey, you're you. Can you be our king? He's like, what? Um, I just wanted to get my inheritance. Well, but do you want to be king? Okay. It's just like he was just Richard the Second was so unpopular by that point. Yeah. It's like they just abandoned him and looked at this alternative. But honestly, okay. But Damon is is frequently compared to Robert. And I think Robert is a little bit of a good indicator of kind of the kind of king that Damon might have ended up being like. Of just that he's just, he's such a soldier. Mm. He's such a warrior and a warrior lord. And that's appealing and that, that's really appealing when, when your king is, as you said, Stephen, earlier, kind of a nerd. But just one of those things like, did he have the chops? Like, I don't know. It, he might have had the foresight to make coins, but I don't know how, how much a foresight he had into, like, well, okay, now I'm in charge. What am I going to do about tax yeah. policy? What am See, I going to do about that's, this? That's this? where I, I, I think, the, like, that's why the coins are significant to me. Yeah. Is that, like, I think at the very least, like, you know, I think he probably would have been slightly you know, at the, at the least better than Renly. Yeah. Okay. Like yes. Robert was uninterested. I yes. don't think we can say that Damon was uninterested. Like he certainly right. would have brought a warrior's mindset to ruling, but like, so would a lot of Westeros, you know, like, yeah, right. You know, name your pick. And <laughs> he had enough people around him and to be fair, you know, not reliant on a single house that really helps. Yeah. Um, right. You know, so I think, you know, he you know like, yeah, I, I didn't think know, about on, that. On the other yeah, hand, Darren you know, did rely a bit. He just he relied so much on the Dornish. That's another reason why it's like this doesn't look good. Yeah, and you know, so it's like possible that the story of King Damon is like an endless grueling war in Dorn. Uh, yeah. On the other hand, he did have Dornish supporters, which is weird. Right. And so, yeah. like, it's partly the story might be that like. Damon manages to um, splinter off, you know, sort of northwestern Dorn from the rest yeah. of Dorn, and that might have been more uh, sustainable. Well, I mean, like, hey, in in our own in in the United States history, just like Virginia ended up splitting up with itself during the Civil War because ha half of Virginia was like, no, we don't believe in this, no, yeah. So you never know. And I think that was actually the part of Virginia that Robert E. Lee was from. Am I right? I don't think. No. Yeah. It, so there's the the part that splintered off is now West Virginia. Yeah. And he was more from like Tidewater Lowlands, Eastern. Okay. Virginia. All right. Interesting. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I I thought that was the case, but it was just like I was like I don't think that's right. But it was just like it was like oh that would have been perfectly it, ironic. Yeah, I think it, it's the thing that makes for a better story than than you know actual history usually doesn't follow um, follow a three act structure. Of course, no, no, nope. <laughs> just like a well, just certain things like that all the time. It's like suddenly, what? Why'd you just die? No, 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 your story's not done. No, no, mm. you got way more to do. Yep. Uh, so, hmm, on a scale of 10. Hard to say. He does show good signs. He, he does, does show good signs. signs. It's, it's hard because you don't know how much is of the people around him. I, you know, I would probably say somewhere around an eight. Um, just like, I, I'm, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm grading on a curve here. Yeah, like, right. you know, like, you know, does did he have a higher potential than Balon Greyjoy? Absolutely. Oh yeah. So it's like, yes. you know, he's he's not in perhaps the toughest bracket that he could be in. Yeah. Far from it. Okay. Well, in that light, then yeah, I would agree. Yeah. You know what? Like in terms of warrior kings, he doesn't. And I, we. We defended Robert. He's not as bad as like he, he thinks he is himself. No. Although his mistakes are pretty damn bad. Yeah. But like I said, it's an extreme case of, of Robert where it's like he just does not care. Yeah, but at least from what we see so far, Damon seemed to care. Yes. So yeah, and on the curve in particular. Yeah, I could go eight. I'm I'm comfortable with eight myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like he, he's like yeah, he he had the gift, he or he had the potential, rather, of to be someone that wouldn't have been terrible. I great. I doubt. No, he wouldn't have been great, but he also would not have been awful. No. So. The category almost runs right. of how close did you get? So, from the minimal information we have, it was clear that the Battle of Red Glass Fields was not a clear-cut victory for either side, and that this no. battle, in effect, determined who would sit the Iron Throne. But, here are some other notes I, I think are important to notice. Had Damon been victorious at Redgrass Fields, he would still have had to at least combat Darren's two other sons, who men could rally behind. He also would have had to besiege King's Landing, unless it surrendered. That's a pretty Herculean task. Yeah. Sieging, a, sieging King's Landing in particular... I mean, Stannis did do a pretty good job. Well, but... it, it tends to go one way or the other, which is if it's if it's a straight up fight, it's going to be bloody. If yeah. someone opens the gate, then you're fine. Yeah. Right. The key and, is you got to get someone to open the gate. And it's quite possible. Like someone was there in King's Landing who kept letting Bittersteel get away after yeah. he got captured. So it's not like there weren't any Blackfire supporters in King's Landing itself. Yeah. Right. 
Fair enough. Uh. Although an obviously unreliable source, Sir Eustace Osgray insists that the Battle of Redgrass Fields was so much closer than the loyalists would ever wish to admit, with numerous events could have led to Blackfires being victorious. Simply mm. put, had Damon been a less honorable man, or Bloodraven a more honorable man, the outcome of the battle would have been vastly different. Not a bad, not a bad, not a bad mm-hmm. analysis. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote a whole essay about this. Like, it it was uh, it was very close, and yeah. you know, you you get not just you know if he had you know ridden over the guy's body and just kept going, but like, you know, an hour's difference either way. Like, yeah. You know, Baylor's army is a little bit slower to arrive too late. You know, Blood Raven takes a little bit longer to get up the hill too late. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so many historical battles, like really when you break them down, like so rarely are, are like Agincourt where it's just like obviously one side crushed the yeah. field and wiped the floor with them. Mm-hmm. It's really just like one side won, but it's like, Mm, it was kind of up in the air. Kind of didn't seem like right. it was going to be that way. Like, um, like Philippi, um, Roman history. Oh, yeah. yeah. Philippi, Philippi, it's just literally that if Brutus hadn't kind of thought he won the war and went in for the spoils, he probably would have won. Yep. And so, like, that's why Augustus later said, like, don't count your victories until you actually win. Right. Easy for him to say he won. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. Hindsight exactly. is twenty twenty. Yes. You know, it's not even on the curve. He was close. I, I am comfortable going the full 10. This, like, he was so, like, that it ended in a, like, he's also one of the only ones I think we're going to get that, that that ended in a battle. <laughs> right. Because all the rest, I think, don't. <laughs> now that I think about it. Well, Jeez. the thing is, is that... Uh, in, in I think days... Hagon? No, wait. No, Hagon, Hagon surrendered. No, sorry, Damon Third. Yeah, Damon Third. Yeah, We're not going to do an episode on him, but yeah. yeah. He did die in battle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Dunk chopped off his head. Oh, battles. Yeah. Um... So yeah, I'm comfortable going to ten. Like it was a little like even with my quibbles, honestly. Like yeah, people would have rallied behind. If Damon had won, he would have. He would. There's. No people would have rallied behind Ares and Rhaegal, but they would have been like 100 like now. Like, uh, they would have been now the pretenders. Right. At that point, unless they were in King's Landing, or yes. they'd managed to get to do- uh, to Sunspear. Yeah, like it, yeah. it matters a lot where they go after you know. But we also know from their characters, like, oh, they're not a threat. Maybe a prop, but not a threat. Well, the question yeah. is, what about Blood Raven? Does he make it off the field? Does he become the bitter steel of the loyalists in yeah. exile? That would have been hard because then he would have had to like find someone to prop up for himself. Right. Uh, well, I guess like he would have gone to make ours kids. Or no, like Baylor's kids also. What am I saying? Baylor's kids. They were yeah. around. Yeah. It would have been like, okay, I got plenty of options. Yeah. 
Yeah, it probably would have been. That would have been. A, that's a very interesting what if in a different different world. Mm-hmm. So, what about you guys? I, I'm comfortable going with a full ten. I'm yeah, sure. I'll give him a full ten. Yeah, he really could have done it. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Yeah, he he actually fought. Yeah, which I, I'm not going to be. Cri- I'm not critical of uh, of Darren for not being in the front, but yeah. That's something that other people will will say is cowardice. It's not, but that's what other people will say. <laughs> like uh, that was something like uh, like people that love Richard the Third, like yeah. will say in, in in contrast to Henry the Seventh is like, hey, Richard the Third fought, like he he fought with his men. Henry the Seventh fought bravely in the back. Yeah. And he was running away from Richard III when Richard III died. <laughs> but, hey, Henry won, so yeah. he got the last laugh. Exactly. So here are two portraits. Going, Sending them over now. Um, the first one comes from Amok. The good old reliable portrait artist. Semi, uh, semi-official. Yeah, semi-official. Oh. Is it sending over? Jeez. Let me try it again. Technical difficulties. We seem to be experimenting some technological differences. Whoops. We seem to be experiencing technical difficulties. But don't worry, folks. We're still on the air. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, personally, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna lie. I don't love this amok drawing. But I really love the second one a little bit more. Okay. See the Mach one, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mach one's not bad. A little feminine, but not bad. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, have you ever seen someone did... Well, I mean, the, the long hair thing, that's, that is from a different era in which scissors didn't really exist very much. So yeah. everyone no, had long hair. Yeah, um, sure enough. Um, the second one. The second one, he looks like a king. Yeah. I was going to say, have you seen the one that's like uh, a manga? Oh, yeah. yeah. Where it's like him and, him and, and Blood Raven. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty well done. It's just uh, in that like very stylized shoju fashion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, out of five, what do you think? I mean, he I was supposed to be... Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, he was supposed to be absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Like, that's, look, that's kind of the like thing, is that like... Half of his, like, you know, political support was just, like, literally, there, there were a lot of guys who were just kind of in awe of how he looked. Yeah. Women lo- wanted him and men wanted to be him. We're looking at you, Mr. Powers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's where I was quoting it from. But no, I love but no, I mean, like, that's also one of the things that, like, got people to support Robert. It was like, oh, this is a man's man. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's also sad that Robert then went on to become fat. I know. Yeah. Well, gotta keep up that condition, especially if you're like a very big, big, muscly dude. Like, yeah, that's right. I mean, you have you to keep to... burning those calories, otherwise. Yes. You want you want to know what the saddest case of like fat kings is? Is okay. actually William the Conqueror, and here's why. <laughs> kind of a, kind well, of it did story. kill him. No, no, no. Worse. What happened was his coffin was actually too big for him. Oh! 
and the the church he was in was on mean, fire. When it did, the gases in the stomach actually blew up. Yeah. They blew us like mm. they literally blew a hole in his stomach. Yeah. Well, I, I was also gonna say that like, you know, he did die of, of a hernia caused Ooh. by the fact that his his the pommel of his saddle uh got into his gut. Oh, ouch. So, so you yeah, know like there oh. there's an argument for staying trim is it might save your life. Yeah. Him, poor Edward the Fourth, also just like his fatness basically killed him. Yeah. It's like poor healthy. Well, it's, again, I think a, another case of like, you know, if if all you want to do is eat and drink all day, you yep. need to you need a way to burn those calories, otherwise it's gonna catch up with you, man. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is like the one like the only thing I feel mildly sympathetic for for Henry the Eighth is like he used to burn all those calories off, but then he, like... Yeah, that wasn't as much a a conscious choice. That was just, you know, you you suffer enough sports injuries. Like, that that too will happen. You suffer enough sports injuries, and... Yeah, you know, that's... Oh, crap, I can't run anymore. Oh, okay, well... Oh, damn, those those pounds are coming. The case I'd like to say of Henry VIII was the guy weighed, by the end of it, he weighed over 400 pounds. Yeah. Oh, gosh, he was also enormously tall so like 400 pounds and and like six foot five or something like that i want to say something around there he was a big oh okay all right fair enough uh henry the eighth height oh no six two but still that's still pretty big it's still a pretty good sized guy all right so total score for damon for for us evan and i it's going to be 60.5 60.5 that's really good Maximum score you could get is, let's see, 20, 40, 60, 70, 70. So 60 out of 70, 60.5 out of 70. That's pretty good. That's pretty actually damn quite good. good. Yep. He might be this, this series is Aegon. Uh, yeah, he really will. Like, not just because he's our first, but also because, like, yeah, all those reasons for, let me tabulate the score up. For okay, eighteen thirty-four. All right, thirty-four fifty-four, and then uh, you scored. He scored a little bit better, and Stevens, I he got sixty-three. Not bad. So we're we're pretty simpatico, but Stephen mm-hmm. was nicer than us by nice. a few points. Yeah, yeah, but by a couple points. Um. So, but let's get into the final verdict is the the ultimate question for ranking thrones is are you a dragon or are you a dud are you, you someone are that's worth remembering or are you ultimately a footnote okay this is no no question this is a no-brainer this yeah damon's a total dragon yeah i mean he literally was remembered after his death you know in yeah. universe you know yeah. it became a you know both a a you know his his, his death place became a shrine his yeah. name you know inspired four more civil wars you know I mean, it's hard to poor, argue with. I mean, his poor kids could never measure up to him, but he's like, of he's like, not. yeah, he's just like this awesome legendary figure. And he really could have, could have been like, and he basically was for the Blackfires, their Aegon the Conqueror, this just like this legendary great man, great warrior, unforgettable. Yep. Now, obviously, like, the the fun of him is that you can go one of two ways where he's like, oh, he's this total awesome dude, or no, he's this horrible traitor. Right. 
But uh, either way, it's like... Been many rebels. Yeah. And the other thing I'd say is, like, ultimately, Damon, more than Darren, defined this era of Westerosi history. Yeah. Because, like, all of the Targaryen kings, until Jaehaerys finally ends them, like, all they're always worrying about in the background is like, oh, but them Blackfires. Them Blackfires. <laughs> like, even Aegon... Aegon the Fifth, as he's like trying to reform, is like, oh crap, there's another one, isn't there? Yep. He's causing right. some trouble. It's like, all right, roll out the men. Yeah. So, before we uh, close it out, uh, Stephen, last time I, uh, uh, when we had another guest on, I had a bu- asked a bunch of quick, fun yeah, sure. rapfire questions. So, uh, here you go. Blacks or greens? Uh, neither. Uh, team Small Folk for life. Okay. Ah, love it. Red or black dragon? I, uh, I, I lean slightly towards the black dragon. Okay. Robert or Rhaegar? Uh, oh, God. <laughs> they both suck. Um, <laughs> that was the same answer Chloe gave. <laughs> yeah, like, I guess slightly. I mean, in, in terms of their sort of long-term political outcome, probably slightly Robert. Ugh. Yeah. If you had yeah. a choice, neither obviously. Like yeah, yeah. We, we 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 on this podcast like don't worship Rhaegar. We don't like. It's like no, he's this kind of like this prophecy obsessed, like nice guy, but kind of like what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Until we get a dream of string to clarify, just like it's like, uh, that I know you like Liana, but that's not a good move, dude. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna... And, like, do you know how your father's gonna react to this? And what he's gonna do when people react to this? Mm-hmm. Really dumb call. Bad idea. Oy. Okay, Baylor starved or poisoned? Um, probably starved. Okay. Yeah. Viserys II. Oh, wait, we've already talked about this, so... Yeah. yeah. Best Aegon? Uh, best Aegon V. Okay. Worst person yeah. to sit the Iron Throne? Uh, ooh, um, probably Eris. Okay. The second? Okay. Yep. Eris the second. Oh, man. the second. Okay. I also go with the first because he's just so. He's not great, but like, I, I would say that he wasn't actively malicious. But I, I'm critical because he was so inactive. It's just like that, like yeah, but like thing that saves the realm from Eris the Second's active maliciousness is I want to burn down my capital and murder a half million people. Fair enough. It's 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 pick your poison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, best person to sit on the Iron Throne. Uh, Jaehaerys the First, probably. Yeah. Okay. okay. What happened? To, oh, we we've talked about this on the show, so I don't need to ask that one of you. Okay. Is Heron Hall cursed? Yes. Okay. No. It, it's he... a thin. It's a thin place. Like yeah. So much human misery and magic concentrated in a small area. Like that whole place is about you know two steps away from a howl mouth. Yeah. Is being hand of the king cursed? No, it's just really unlucky. Okay. Was it the yeah. king? The king shits. The hand wipes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more that just like, you know, the the 
the typical medieval um, sort of political phenomenon of the evil counselor. Yeah. Like, that's bad enough when you had a privy council. Now imagine that there was an actual prime minister. Like, yeah. I don't think any real-life medieval hand of the king, like, the, the survival rate would have been pretty much equally as bad. Oh, just look at King Henry VI. And, like, that, that's where he basically there was a real-life hand of the king in effect. And none of them died peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look out history if you want to check it out. Yep. So, what was going on between Ashra Dane and Ned Stark? Uh, I think they were betrothed to be married, and I think that they had a stillborn daughter, and then she committed suicide. I like that theory a lot. Ooh, Ned, you polygamous bastard. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time that they got betrothed, he was not... His his hand was free, as Harwin yep. said. Yeah. Best hand of the king? Uh, Septon Barth. Okay. Never never argue against Septon Barth. All right. Who is the rightful heir to Westeros? Uh, it, like, in, in current uh, book yeah, time? Yeah, in current book time. Mm -hmm. uh, probably Stannis. Okay. Yeah. Who should sit on the Iron Throne? Uh, hmm. Um, I'm, I'm also... You know, like it, again in the present moment, like I would also probably say, like in the short term, Stannis. Yeah, okay. like I, I don't think he'd be a good wartime king, but like if you need someone to lead, you know, a united war effort against the army of the dead, like he's probably your your best bet. Okay. Yeah. Good choice. A little bit in the spirit of 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 whether you want to be a troll or not. D and D hacks are good writers. Uh, generally bad writers. Okay. Ah. Like right. they, they've had their moments. They're, they've de they did some good stuff on on the show, like bits that were not in the books, especially in some of the early seasons. But I just don't think they thought very deeply about what they were doing, mm -hmm. and especially like not just about like okay plot mechanics, but like characterization issues mm -hmm. became really an issue. And I think that's that more than anything else. I think speaks to just. Not necessarily like bad in the sense of like unskilled, but just not not deeply thought through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sounds well, I, yeah. Okay. Well, we've had a great, long, wonderful episode. Thank you so much for coming on, Stephen. This has been yeah, it's my pleasure. Kind of fun. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to our second season of Ranking Thrones. We'll be back with Damon the Second next week. So, see you then. Bye. Yeah, everybody. Bye.